While some outsiders may stereotype fighters as dumb meathead jerks, we in the community of course know better. Which isn't to say that fighters aren't sometimes bad boys like Diddy and Mace, like Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, like the 1990 Detroit Pistons. But oftentimes when one of these stars puts their foot in their mouth or their hand in somebody else's, they do that thing many of us struggle with when we screw up. Apologize. And so today we're gonna look at some dumb stuff fighters have done that had them telling their fans, sorry about that. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and these are the 10 times fighters were forced to apologize apologize for stupid behavior. Number 10. Brian Ortega You know that old saying, translate somebody else's trash talk, get hit. At UFC 248, fans were all kinds of confused when a video showed Brian Ortega being escorted out of the building for a supposed dust-up. Fans were even more confused when they found out the reason he had to leave was because T-City slapped Korean pop idol and rapper Jay Park. Super random, but there must have been some kind of story, right? Yes. Yes, there was. A few weeks earlier, Park, who is good buddies with Korean Zombie and often serves as his translator, hopped on the Ariel Hawani show and translated KZ's thoughts on a fight with Brian. So he said, uh, you know, it doesn't matter Holloway, Volkanovski, Ortega, but Ortega already ducked him one time. So he doesn't, you know, he doesn't need to fight a fighter that's ducking him already. Is there any greater insult in mixed martial arts than implying that a fighter has been ducking someone? According to Park, when Zombie was away at the bathroom, Ortega approached him and asked, hey, are you Jay Park? Upon confirmation, he then slapped the rapper in the face, and the rest is now stupid random MMA history. T-City took to Twitter a few days later in a now-deleted post and apologized to Park as the translator then as the K-pop star, but not as the instigator. Weird tweet. The next day, he actually apologized on Twitter. Ortega and KZ fought later that year, with T-City coming up victorious. Number 9. Frank Mir It was no secret that Frank Mir wasn't a huge fan of Brock Lesnar after their first two fights, and heading into a title eliminator with Shane Carwin at UFC 111, the Frankster did your typical 2010 sports media, MMA blog interviews, sports radio, what have you. On Mark Madden's show, after going on a rant about how other fighters are so worried about being politically correct, but he isn't because he doesn't care what anybody thinks about him, and he speaks his mind no matter what, no filter, a free speech warrior, he went on to tell Madden what he really wanted to do to Brock Lesnar. I want to break his neck in the ring. I want him to be the first person to die due to octagon-related injuries. Okay, psycho. Mind you, this is 2010, and MMA was nowhere near as mainstream. Sean Strickland says stuff like that in almost every interview now, and nobody bats an eye. But back then, it was not the kind of talk Dana White was going to tolerate, and he let it be known, forcing Mir to release this statement. I would like to apologize to Brock Lesnar, his family, the UFC, and the UFC fans for my stupid remarks. I respect Brock, all the other fighters, and the sport of mixed martial arts. I'm sorry that I stepped out of line. It's okay, Frank, you were just ahead of your time. Number 8. George St. Pierre It was 2013, if you can believe it or not, when George St. Pierre took on Nick Diaz at UFC 158, and back then you could walk out in whatever shit you wanted. There was no exclusive fighter kit deals. Dennis Hallman wore a Speedo. It was a different time. One of St. Pierre's main sponsors was Hayabusa, who are known for making all kinds of MMA gear. And on that night, Rush rocked a gi from the manufacturer that featured a massive red rising sun on most of the welterweight champion's left side. While originally used in feudal Japan, the symbol would be adopted by the Imperial Japanese military during their early 20th century campaigns in East Asia. And as such, the symbol is the equivalent of the German swastika to many from the region. One such party was Korean Zombie, who tried to get St. Pierre's attention following the bout by sending him pictures of Japanese war crimes via Twitter. When that slightly more abstract way of going about it didn't work, he 
wrote an open letter in English on Facebook expressing why he took issue with the gi and why the symbol was offensive. That attempt worked, and both Hayabusa and St. Pierre apologized for the gear. GSP wrote, I'd like to personally apologize to anyone who was offended by this. I'm very sorry. That was never my intention. Hayabusa also subsequently pulled the gi from manufacturing as well. Number 7. Conor McGregor The champ champ apologizes to absolutely nobody, unless he feels people are getting the wrong impression about who he is after a video emerged of him using a homophobic slur. The incident took place at UFC Fight Night 118 in Poland. Best friend and training partner Artem Lobov was taking on Andre Feely on the prelims, and it didn't work out too well for him. With scorecards reading 30-27 across the board for Feely, as Artem walked backstage, Connor was in lockstep consoling his crestfallen friend. Footage of the moment that was quickly scrubbed from social media showed the former double champ attempting to comfort Lobov by letting him know that Feely was just a gay slur. This is McGregor right after the Mayweather fight, so he's pretty much at his peak, and as you can imagine, there was quite a bit of blowback over his comments. While Connor has dismissed critics in the past over some of his more controversial statements, on this occasion he instead appeared on the Late Late Show on RTE1 to discuss the matter. We've condensed his apology for clarity, but I ask you to find another video where Connor seems less able to articulate. I meant no disrespect to nobody of, of, of any the LGBT community, or, you know, I, I didn't mean no disrespect. I wasn't even, you swear I was talking about or screaming at two people, two people of the same sex kissing. Yeah. I campaigned when we're trying to get uh, same-sex marriage uh, legalized. I was campaigning for that. I mean, I'll just say sorry for what I said and, and that's it and, and try and move on. From that clip alone, you can tell McGregor doesn't want people to get the wrong impression of him. A rare bit of a juring from the notorious. Number six, Israel Adesanya. A few weeks before their middleweight title clash at UFC 248, Israel Adesanya and Yoel Romero did a presser to hype the fight. When prompted to discuss why it is he wanted to fight Romero in the first place by Dan Hardy, Izzy explained that he wanted to prove he was beatable. See if you can catch where he says something people might be bothered by. He's human like anyone else, and everyone likes to make this myth about, oh, he's, you know, steel, like kicking steel, or you hit him and he doesn't fall. I'll touch him enough times, I'll touch him enough times, and eventually he'll crumble like the Twin Towers. Fans were quick to point out that the 9-11 comment might be considered in poor taste, especially by anybody directly affected by the attacks. Much like Connor, Izzy is generally not one to take back statements or address criticisms that might be levied at him over his words. On this occasion, though, he took to his Instagram story to offer an explanation and apologize. Stylebender wrote, I never made a joke about people dying or made light of the tragic event that was 9-11. I was simply rambling and my brain worked faster than my mouth in a moment to choose the wrong euphemism. You speak on the mic enough times and you're bound to miss the mark with a few bars. I did on this one and for that I'm sorry. I'll be more careful in the future with my words. Izzy and Yoel would go on to have one of the worst title fights in UFC history. Number 5. Matt Brown Let's start a podcast. Many a fighter, fan, media member has said over the years, likely because of Joe Rogan and his many podcasty friends. The thing is, though, there's a microphone on, and it's recording you, and then those words are uploaded to the internet for others to hear. Matt Brown found this out the hard way when he started Legit Man Shit with Jeremy Lopez and Mark Coleman in 2014. It was touted as a podcast for real men by real men. In episode one, Brown would get more attention for the show than he could possibly imagine when the topic of women's MMA came up. In the now-deleted episode, Matt complained that if he's going to pay $60 to watch women fight in the UFC, they should at least be topless. The backlash was swift, and the soundbite was picked up by just about every MMA media outlet in existence, and even the big dogs like Sports Illustrated. The UFC quickly got a PR handle on the situation, issuing a statement that Brown had apologized for his comments, and that they don't reflect the views of the promotion. That's some good PRing. Matt would release his own statement afterwards that essentially read like, I won't say shit like this anymore because the UFC explained to me it's in my contract not to make them look bad. The podcast would last a whole four episodes before disbanding. Number four, Cody Durden. Who the hell is Cody Durden? He's one of the seemingly thousands of new UFC fighters that 
joined the promotion during the Pandy, and currently sits at a record in the promotion of 1-1-1. One, one, one. In his most recent fight that took place in November of last year, Durden fought Arichi Lung. Cody would earn his first UFC victory on the night with a unanimous decision win on the scorecards, and during his post-fight interview, he had this to say about his opponent. No, I knew he was going to be tough, but I had to send him back to China where he came from. Durden became the hot topic of the prelims with fans, fighters, and media calling out his poor taste comment, some of them looking to kick the flyweight's ass. The fighters, not the fans or media. When asked about it at the post-fight presser, Cody didn't seem to give a single shit. If they don't like it, you know, do something. Sign, sign the contract, it doesn't matter to me. You know, I said what I said and it is what it is. Yeah, emotions were high. He then told the reporter the comment didn't have any racial connotations. Later that night, he would hop onto Twitter to issue one of those non-apology apologies where he justified himself before saying, I apologize if I offended anyone. As you can imagine, it went over like Paul Buentello's catchphrase. Don't fear me! <laughs> Number 3. Rumble Johnson This is a real weird one. By 2015, Rumble Johnson had become quite a star, eventually earning a light heavyweight title shot against Daniel Cormier. And while his troubled history with domestic violence always loomed over his career, since his rise to the top of the division, he'd not seen any major incidents. Then in August, as he prepared for a bout with Jimmy Minowai at UFC 191, Johnson would post a bizarre rant about a woman at his gym he took issue with over where she chose to do yoga. I won't read the whole thing, but some of the lowlights are, to the ugly girl in the gym built like a bag of dry dog food, this is for you. If you get in my way again or any other athlete's way again, I'll throw your yoga mat across the gym again. Run to the front desk again crying, talking about how you feel threatened. I really don't care. The fake crying does nothing for anybody, by the way. So one more time, don't run your mouth and don't do yoga stretching where people lift. Understand? Good girl. So yeah, pretty aggressive shit. The post, which was deleted, prompted an investigation by a third-party law firm on behalf of the UFC. In their official statement, they said that Rumble apologized to the woman personally, and that the matter was behind them. Johnson agreed to counseling provided by the UFC. Number two, Rampage Jackson. Nothing gets an apology out of somebody like an arraignment. In 2008, Rampage Jackson had gone days without sleep or food except for energy drinks because that's a fantastic combo, leaving the former UFC light heavyweight champion temporarily out of his mind. This resulted in Jackson living up to his nickname when he hopped in his big-ass Ford 350 that has his face on it and led the police down Newport Boulevard in Costa Mesa while he drove down the wrong side of the road, hopped up on the sidewalks, nearly hitting pedestrians, and busted up a bunch of vehicles along the way. After he was apprehended, Dana White flew from Vegas to post his bail because that's just what you do when one of your biggest stars gets arrested for playing GTA Online IRL. Come the arraignment, Jackson had finally got some food and sleep and pled guilty to felony evading and misdemeanor reckless driving. At the hearing, Rampage apologized, saying, I feel sorry for everything that happened, and I will apologize. I put people in harm's way, and even though I didn't know what I was doing at the time, it was still on me. Since nobody got hurt, apparently the courts were more than willing to be lenient. They dropped the felony charge, and Jackson got 200 hours of community service with a stipulation he see a therapist and pay for the cars he destroyed. Number 1. Mike Perry For some reason, a few weeks after his victory against Mickey Gall at UFC Vegas 4, Mike Perry was getting hammered at a restaurant in Lubbock, Texas. The former UFC fighter then allegedly struck one of the parties that was with him, a woman who was an associate of his girlfriend. A staff member then asked him to leave, and that man was punched in the face. A cell phone video shows the rest of the incident, as seemingly everyone in the restaurant is working together to remove Perry from the building. While trying to plead his side of the story, an older gentleman can be heard mocking the way Mike says police. But y'all gonna tell the police that I fucking yeah, you know, uh, police. Prompting Perry to threaten the man, who then, in the most ill-advised moment of his life, moves towards Mike and puts his hands on him, only to be viciously knocked unconscious. The video ends with a screaming match between Perry and the remaining conscious members of the establishment. UFCPR was almost instant 
recently on the case with the classic We're Troubled by the Video. Mike doesn't reflect on our organization. He said he's sorry and is willing to go to rehab. Platinum took to Twitter himself to apologize to his sponsors and the UFC and stated that he wants to be a better role model for his family. Here's a completely unrelated video of Mike recently pulling a bat out during a press conference with the Let Me Bang Bro guy. Big ol' shout out to my dude Luke Taylor for editing this video together. You can find him and his awesome digital art on Twitter at cool to me underscore. A big, big thank you to Ben Rosette, who provided that sweet tune you heard in the intro. Check out his music by clicking the link in the description and go give him a follow on his Instagram and Twitter page at Ben Rosette. Thanks for watching. Please give us a like and subscribe. We've got three new videos or more for you every single week. Let us know what you thought of the video in the comments below. Follow On Point MMA on Twitter and have yourself a wonderful day.